0: Welcome to the Bond Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Well, Chris, I uh, just want to lead off this podcast here. I, I forgot to mention it last uh, last week when we spoke. Last week was actually our 100th episode, uh, and we have continue to see receive great, great feedback, and we are continuing to see our, our listenership growing. So you know, appreciate everyone on the other side of this um, and joining in. And um first 100 were great, and, and, and looking forward to the, uh, the next 100 here with you, Chris. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as we jump into things, you know, typically we end up leading off with the discussion of, of weekly employment claims, and as you're looking at this week's data, um, it really showed, you know, very little movement in recent trends. So a little bit different this week, rather than digging into the weekly statistics, um, what do you think it's going to take to materially improve the employment situation?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's important for investors and policymakers for that point to understand that. You know, 2020 and the impact of the pandemic was a hard reset, not just for the economy, but for many business models. And what I mean by that is it really forced businesses to look at their cost structure and look at how they do business. And because the impact of the pandemic lasted so long, and you really couldn't rely on federal support as the rules were consistently changing and, you know, the concerns that shifts in administration or priorities uh, would change the, the support you had early in the pandemic. Businesses did what they always do and they adapt and they adapt very quickly. And so that hard reset that I think has fundamentally changed cost structures for the vast majority of businesses and we've seen examples where manufacturers that had 7,000 employees were able to eliminate 2,000 positions, and not need to hire those positions back to get back to prior levels of revenue or even higher. We've seen, uh, you know, similar things in in retail where you've been able to drastically reduce your SG&A cost, shrink your store base, get out of leases. Um, we've seen wholesale uh, retail chains liquidate, closed stores. So there is no recovery that that is going to come back. And so a lot of ways, when I look at that unemployment, I think it's permanent. It's not cyclical. We are are well underway in the cyclical recovery. Now, that doesn't mean when we get leisure travel back um, and we get, more services in the offering, yes, those jobs will come back and it'll it'll be a meaningful part of the unemployed base that will be able to resume those activities. But to get back to where we were at the end of 2019 is going to take something altogether different. Uh, One, in a lot of cases these aren't jobs where it's going to be easy to retrain, so it's easy to become permanently uh, out of the workforce. Two we're already seeing in the data that there are jobs out there, and there are people that have the skills to meet them. They're not wanting to come back, so it's also a hard reset for a lot of households to say, "What are our priorities? Can we get by without that second income, or can we get by on a part-time um, income, maybe you know, kind of off the books?" And if so, they're not going to re-enter the workforce. So, I think what it's really going to take is the right Policies, smart policies, we may choose because for political expediency just to send checks. Uh, in a lot of ways, that kind of financial support may be needed, but it's going to be important that it's crafted in a way that it's not a crutch and, and prevents the employment gains that we ultimately are going to need. Uh, but the good news is this, to the extent people come back to work, it's going to be additive to GDP, and it's not just going to be merely replacing and recouping what was lost, because I think we can do that without bringing these individuals back into the workforce. We can get back to prior levels or higher levels of GDP without doing so. So as they do come back, it should allow us to, to move well beyond where we were at the end of 2019.
0: And, and one of the comments you mentioned, you, know, you said you know, we, we are still well underway in a cyclical re- recovery. And you know, we've, we've also discussed the strength in the industrial cycle uh, we've talked about modest improvement in the service size of the economy, uh, but you know. However, this this week the, the market is a reverse trend with the re- re- reflationary sectors, um, and as a result, yield curves steepening, beneficiaries are selling off, and once again, we've seen large cap tech resuming leadership role. And, and so, you think that the the market is starting to sniff out the renewed shutdowns and that they're finally impacting the recovery?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that's it. I, I think it's important that investors understand that we have two very powerful recoveries underway. And it's really difficult to uh, dislodge them from their trend. And that's both on the industrial side and the inflation recovery. They are well entrenched. They are global. And there's nothing near term that's going to offset those. And these events that we see, whether it's a renewed lockdown or other you know shocks that may show up, they're important, but they're really noisy. They just quite frankly can't trump the business cycle and the and the economic cycle underway. They're just very powerful forces. And to kind of give you an idea, when you look at the recovery and the strength in housing, and that easily has five, six, seven times the impact, meaning housing activity and the multiplier through it is very, very powerful, infinitely more powerful than, you know, shutting down outdoor dining or seeing, uh, you know, a, a, a less of an improvement in employment or other elements. Um, it doesn't mean that it it's a balanced recovery. It clearly isn't. But those two forces are very powerful, and they're going to remain in place. Um, there are the very beginnings of indicators, and these indicators can be as good as 9 to 12 months out, saying that the industrial recovery is going to peak. Um, and that's going to make 2021 very interesting cause I expect we'll be very strong. And then depending on the policy choices, if we keep getting stimulus, we can keep this strength or if we can really broaden out and have uh, faster recovery in the services side, we can continue this strength. If not, uh, we're going to see, you know, probably a kind of a, a, a two stage year for the market.
0: And, and I just want to revert back to a, a portion of my, my earlier question. You know, if you, Discuss that the current recovery is still underway. How how are you interpreting the correction in the reflationary sectors?
1: Yeah, I I really think it's just that. I think we had an incredible rally and the cyclicals and what is often referred to as the value trade. I I don't want to consider it the value trade. It's really the beneficiaries of the steepening yield curve. And there was a lot of money, clearly, in in large-cap tech and in the momentum trades that money on the margin rotated out and flowed into this reflationary trade. When you look at the kind of hedge positions coming into the end of the year, they couldn't get long enough. And what I mean by that is if you were running a long, short book because of the elevated volatility levels in the market, you weren't able to get as long as you needed to be to keep up. And we saw some capitulatory elements of that, course, the end of the fourth quarter and the very beginning of this new year, where we saw a lot of short covering in the small cap indices, which is another way to get longer. Let me me reduce my short exposure. Um, And we saw kind of some exhaustive capitulatory buying uh, even yesterday after, you know, a fairly uneventful inauguration. And when you get on the other side of that, you know, naturally, we've kind of got everybody in the boat. Everybody kind of bought into the reflationary trend. We may get a little ahead of ourselves near term, and we're seeing a consolidation. The other reason why I don't think it's anything more than a consolidation is volatility in the equity markets continues to decline, and it's declining across market caps and across subsectors, which is not an indication of fear. And at the same time, volatility in the treasury market continues to remain very elevated But everything's still set up for a potential further breakout higher in Treasury yields, you know, a further healthy move in the reflationary trade. It's really going to come down to, I think, we'll get through first quarter earnings. We'll have an idea of how much uh, companies have been able to improve their margin outlook. We'll see who's really comfortable giving guidance. And we all know if they do give guidance, they're going to give guidance that they expect to beat. So is that guidance sufficient that the market can continue to move higher? Um, and if so, I, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to advance through the first quarter or so of the year. Um, and then as it relates to those longer-term indicators that show that the industrial recovery may be peaking later this year, there's some shorter-term indicators that will start confirming it. And as they confirm it, then you'll know, okay, you know, we're within three or four months of this happening and you'll need to start kind of taking profits in these more cyclical areas. But we're not there yet. Right now, everything still looks like an all-clear.
0: And so, you know, everything looks like an all-clear, but let me share a couple figures with you. Um, Right now, I'm looking at the S&P. It's trading at 22 times 2021 EPS estimates. Um, If I look back at the beginning of 2020, the S&P was trading at about 16 times 2021 EPS estimates. You know, so these these estimates here were were about 20% higher um, than we were currently. So, you know, does this imply that most of twenty one twenty twenty one has already been priced in the market, or, or how, how would you interpret this? Yeah,
1: I I think it has, um, and we shouldn't be surprised by that. It, it there's no question, given the significant amount of multiple expansion that we had in twenty twenty, that we did pull forward some of the returns. And there's two reasons for that. One. The market knows we're in a very strong industrial global recovery, and we know that we're going to get through the COVID situation, whether we have a smooth rollout of the vaccine or, you know, it continues to go like it is now, which is not very efficient at all. But we're going to get through it, and we know we have the stimulus. So the market's discounting a recovery into 2021. I think what's going to be critical is going to be, as we move into the back half of 2021, a, are we are we entering that industrial slowdown? And how, if we are, how broad is it? Is it outside of the U.S. in the U.S. in the different sectors? Is it going to merely be a reflection that we pulled forward a lot of housing demand, and there's other areas to pick up? But more importantly, the markets also, I think, discounting these higher margin profiles. That I'm talking about in some cases. You know, we've seen companies be able to permanently increase their margins. well beyond 2021. But what we need to do is we're getting to the back half of 2021 is be able to look at 2022 and say, ah, you know what? Earnings are still continuing to grow. And if we're comfortable that earnings are still moving higher as we look at 2022 and we're comfortable that the real rate of interest is still negative, then look, we can have great gains this year. But if either of those other scenarios plays out, where 2022 we really start to flatline in earnings growth, then I think we may be disappointed in 2021. Or if the earnings growth is, is there for 2022, but real rates have started to move higher, which will start to impact some of these valuation measures, that may reduce some of the return potential in 2021. You know, When you look specifically at real rates, we're about 200 basis points lower in real rates than we were two years ago. We're almost 100 basis points lower than we were a year ago. And when you're getting into you know, interest rates at very low levels like we are, a 100 basis swing in that has a huge impact on multiples. So you rightly point out we've gone from 16 times to 22 times on that 100 basis point decline. Well, if we go up 100 basis points, We're going to give that back. You know, you could easily lose six multiple points on a base of 22. So, you know, that's a 20 to 35, 20 to 30% kind of decline in multiple, which means we do need to see those earnings come through in order to justify current levels. So I expect, uh, you know, a a lot of volatility in 2021, and I expect volatility to only increase as we move through the decade because of structural changes in, in the market in the way money flows into the market from passive strategies.
0: Okay, well, good. well that's, that's very helpful, very instructive, and you know, certainly the, the last piece there. Thank you uh, for your thoughts. And I will wrap it up here and we look forward to hopefully catching you again next week. So thank you very much, Chris, and we will talk soon. You bet. Thanks, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.